Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about how to make uh, players shiny? No. Wait. <laughs> Do you want to talk about how to shine character? No. Nope. Hang on. Well, I got this. Sure. Do you want to talk about how to make character classes shine? Yes, I have this perfect buffing polish right here. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, who is a barbarian that likes to rage in the middle of combat, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, who is usually a rogue who is sneak attacking things. <laughs> that was Smashman and Skill Monkey, wasn't it? Oh, you know, oh we both had, that discussion <laughs> came up a while ago. Yes, Smashman and Skill Monkey. <laughs> Oh boy! There was a reason. Do not, for that. do not seek that out no, in our back catalog. No, not no. a high point of the show. Nah. Uh, hey, <laughs> uh, I'm like I said, I'm Phil. You said you're Senda, but we also have to give a shout out to um, our editor who does not. Although Ryan, you're welcome to insert yourself right oh, here. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Hey, Phil. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Senda. Ryan, you can say hi to everybody too. Yeah, if you um, want to. You don't. Yeah, have to. absolutely. No obligation. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Ryan. Thank you so much to Phil and Senda for letting me edit this. And I promise to only interject myself on the occasion uh, now that I have permission. But Ryan, uh, shout out to Ryan, our editor, who's going to make us sound way better in this episode than we actually sounded when we recorded it. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, you're awesome. Cool. Um, so for today's show, we are answering a question from Malefic7M um, on the Misdirected Mark forums, which just in case you um, don't know where to find them, they are forums.misdirectedmark.com. Um, and they asked, I'd like to also hear how you as a GM and co-player can help give different archetypes slash playbooks slash classes, etc. the opportunity to shine and focus on their themes. I'm thinking the Ranger, the Hocus, and the Hunter, D&D Apocalypse World and the Sprawl, uh, could be cool, but any are interesting. I think one-shot versus campaign and GM versus co-players are interesting, but false dichotomies. Cool. Um, awesome question. Thank you for sending that in. We appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to trim it up a little for the sake of the show. So mm -hmm. we are going to, we're one, we're not going to talk about any specific classes. We're going to talk about uh, classes slash playbook slash archetype as just a concept. Like, how do you make any class playbook or archetype shine today mm -hmm. that's and we decided we we're going to do it um in a two points show uh with gming tips and co player tips not player tips we assume yes. as a player you're going to do your jam but yes. how do the other players at the table help you shine yes and just for clarity going forward from this point in the rest of the show, we are going to say the word class. Please understand this to mean archetype slash playbook slash build slash class slash whatever the defining functionality is in the particular system that you are playing. We're going to go with class just because it's a really um, common standardization, a common understanding of what it means to have a gathered set of mechanics that belong to a specific type of character. 
Oh, nice uh, definition. Oh, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> look at you. Right. Um, cool. So uh, let's first, we're going to talk about some general stuff before we break it down, which is our standard format. Um, so let's first talk about what makes a class shine. And then we can talk about what GMs and players can actually do to make those things happen. Yeah. So like you just said, many, many games have classes, not all games. You will encounter plenty of games that do not use a uh, class like structure, but many games do uh, because they're one, they're pretty convenient, right? Yeah. Uh, and like you said, what a class really is, is it's a predefined set of mechanics that in part define how the character interacts with the game. Now, when I say that, I mean that in a general sense, kind of like in the way being a fighter defines how you uh, interact in a game of D&D. And I mean it in a literal, in a more literal sense when we talk about playbooks where moves are only available on that playbook for that character. So it can, depending on the game you're playing, be very broad or very specific in terms of how the character gets to interact with the game. Yes. Now, I think we all know this. So a lot of this, I feel like, will be reviewed, but we're going to say it anyway. When we talk about classes, right, classes are often designed to do a thing. Uh, And, you know, often designed to do one main thing and then a couple of little things. And then they're often not good at something else. So let's just, you know, think of the think of some iconic ones from the, you know, from any version of D&D, right? Rogue Steel, Fighters Fight, Mages Cast Spells. Yep. yep. Cool. When we make characters and we select a class in the game or pick a playbook or whatever, we are defining part of how we are going to interact with the game. Like that is a that is a decision and it extends to It extends to what classes play informs the GM how problems are going to get solved in the game and which classes are not picked by the players also tells us a lot about what this game will and won't be about. Yeah. So, you know, for instance, a a group of players that does not, if you're playing D&D, that does not select the cleric, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are some things you have to take into consideration, right? Your play style will be different than if you have a cleric on board. Yeah. And you may have a group of players then who is not super into the things that come with some what's sometimes considered a support role, right? Yeah. Uh, I've I've had an opposite problem where uh, I had a my Iron Heroes game. My players did not have a frontline tank. Oh, boy. <laughs> I had a I had the archer, which is a ranged class. Yep. The hunter, which is the prototype to the D&D fourth uh, edition warlord. Sure. So it's kind of a controller and a rogue class. And then we swapped the rogue who was kind of uh, was doing the work of the tank. The rogue swapped for a mage. Oh, boy. And that was when I actually had to insert a GMPC into the game right. <laughs> as a... The character was a uh, it was the broadest of the martial classes. And I think it was called Man at Arms or something. It's just basically you could just use all sorts of weapons. And I wound up making that character a shield and trident fighter. Uh, So it was like literally a tank. Right. Like Like they just needed someone to go in and take the hits while they did their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I actually had to do that because they couldn't tank up with any of the characters they had. So 
I was like, fine, I'll pull like if you guys are good with it, I'll play a GMPC. And the rule will be like when it comes to combat, you place the tank you where, you want, where you want it. Yep. And, and you I, say what you know, he does. Yeah, I'll yeah. make the rolls for it with a separate set of dice that I will roll outside of the screen, mm-hmm. right? Like, but you know, the tank does not make decisions. We can do GMPCs one day if we want to. And we've on the misdirected oh, mark have have on talked the misdirected about mark several times. We're talking so. about resurrecting that episode and doing it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, to Moving bring this all along. back yeah. together, <laughs> the point of the point of classes that we're trying to make here is that classes help define play. Yes. So not fully. But they they largely influence the type of play that's going to occur in the game. Now, most players tend to play their class. Like if you pick fighter, you tend to do fighting. Not always, but most of the time players will play to their um, class. And when you do, like you often have fun, right? Because you're doing the class things. Yeah, because I think um, I think many times. Um, it's fun to succeed in a game. Not always, right? I don't always love to succeed, and there are definitely games in which I'm like, I love failing, right? Mm-hmm. But um, at least sometimes it is it is fun to succeed. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, when you play into the the class that you chose, your chances of getting that success and the the fun feedback loop from getting being successful. Um, is more likely to happen. And so we are encouraged by our brain dopamine centers to continue to do the things that we are most likely to succeed at. Right? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So uh, tell me, what makes a class shine? Right? What's what, How are we defining that? Yeah, when we're, we're defining shine specifically, right? As when the character class gets to do the iconic things that it the class is built to do right and which which seems really straightforward but like just to put a really fine point on it you are shining as a class when you are doing the the specific thing that class is really good at Mm -hmm. yes yeah so like what when a barbarian gets to rage in combat yes (laughs) i mean having having for years played barbarians like i love when it's time to rage right like I love like all of a sudden the stat boost and like tearing through some enemies, that kind of stuff. Right. Like it's fantastic. Um, or, you know, and I don't actually play this class very. I actually never play this class, to be honest. Yeah, it's really um, funny. <laughs> I don't. I don't like all the work. It's too much work. I've only. Um, yeah, I'll let you say. Uh, let me, it, let but, me actually say yeah. the class first. Right. <laughs> um, the other example we had here was a mage throwing a fireball into a cluster of enemies like that is also fun. I personally, just as a side, don't play mages because I just find it to be a lot of work. Yeah. When we talk about D&D, it's really funny because that's the other thing I was going to say is I think I've played one mage in all the years and years and years and years. I played D&D and Pathfinder exclusively, and I just did not because, um, yeah, I wasn't into it. <laughs> there's there's a um, I have played a few clerics, uh, mm-hmm. but sure. but not but not mages. I played anyway. Anyway, moving on. Rogues. Anyway, um, <laughs> cool. So the the flip side to when a character class shines is that when a character has to take action outside of their class, they are less likely to succeed. And that can be frustrating, um, especially depending on what the failure mechanics look like for a particular game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for instance, a wizard who gets uh, forced into melee. 
Yeah. Right. With That's your not fun. D4 dagger or whatever. Yeah, right. Hopefully like your staff. I always have a staff. Right. Like, <laughs> but you're, you know, but that's not fun. Like you don't have great bonuses for you don't have great bonuses for hitting your shitty armor. Maybe if you're lucky, you throw up some mage armor in time or something like shield or something like that. But anyway, that's not as much fun or, you know, like a fighter stuck with a puzzle. Yeah. I think, you know, don't get on my case about like, well, you know, some people love puzzles, you know, because the player blow. Yeah, I get it. But you get our point. Yeah, like, don't make us don't make us defend these points hard. You get the point. <laughs> you you get the they are generalized illustrations that are very generalized. Take them yes. as you will. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's just because at those points the numbers aren't in your favor anymore, right? Like so. Yeah, you, I mean, because classes have there are things classes do well. There are things classes don't do well, and when you push people into the place where they're not doing well, that's less fun. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. is. It just, just is. is. So um, before we move on quickly, uh, let's talk about what happens when a game doesn't actually have a class slash architect slash playbook. Yeah. Right. So can can those shine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. They still can. Right. Um, Because we're still talking about character builds. And while there's a lot more flexibility and you are making customizations on the fly, um, you've still created a character that is built to do something right like you had a purpose when you built them what are they good at what is the thing you are imagining that they will be doing in the game what is the thing you are excited to do with them what in the did game? you put your points into building yeah, what did you like, put your you know, points in what's the thing exactly. that they're gonna do um and so i think the secondary part of that is this is a point where you got to make sure especially in games that don't have um you know clear classes um that you've said that to the people that you're playing with so that everybody everybody at the table should understand kind of what everybody else's build is intended to do. Yeah, and and so to that, right, there's a thing that sometimes, uh, there's a phrase, we've used it here on the network before, uh, we've used it on the show before, I'll, I'll bring it up, which is love lettering. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Your character whether there's a class system or not, your character is always a love letter to the GM and to the other players on how you want to play the game. Yeah. So if I take lots of points in drive motorcycle. Yep. I want to drive a motorcycle in the game. Yes. Right? Because <laughs> I put points there. Yes. So when we don't have classes, my character shines when we lean into those things you've totally just made me realize this is a total aside and i'm gonna say it then we're gonna get back on track yeah in long live the queen it has been so long since i pulled out my motorcycle and i really really want to and now i'm gonna make sure that i do again soon next available opportunity sure that thing is awesome okay yeah so but the (laughs) and the point of all this is right like again the point being is that like classes are a shortcut to understand what the build of your character is, right? If yeah. if I say, if you say my character is a rogue, even if I don't know specifically or in terms of 5e, which subclass you are or whatever, I know some things. Yeah, you have a pretty good idea of what I'm kind of going for, like what niche I'm going to fill in a group. Right. Um, and, and, and a pretty good idea of some of the kind of play that I might want to be involved in. Exactly. Now, in a classless game, I got to ask you, yeah, like, like you just you literally have to communicate like what's, about it. What's your build here? Like, right. what's what are you shooting for? Like, oh, I'm really good at driving motorcycles and melee combat. Oh, okay, cool. 
Yeah. Like, cool. That's so, not a class. It's just that's like the things the, I like to do. The things, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So cool. Okay, good. Good. All right. So, I, I, so what we're saying here is if you're playing a game without classes, everything else we're about to say still, still applicable. Yeah. Yes. You just have to have the conversation first so that you understand. Oh, don't give away. Don't give away. That's actually coming right up. Is it? Sorry. It's coming right up. I just have a big thing about communication. <laughs> yes, your thing about communication you should hold on to I'm gonna for just, like two more seconds. Just hold it real close to my chest. Hold but, it. but I'm going to let you talk about this part because this is the GM part. Sure. Okay. Kay. So let's talk about it, right? How do we make, how do we as the rest of the table help each player shine? So let's start it as the GM. How do you as a GM help each player shine in the game? The first part of this is going to come from understanding. Yes. <laughs> so you need to understand the classes that are in play. You don't have to know every class in the game. You have to know every class that a player has. Yes. Who is sitting like, at your table. Yeah. You don't know. You don't need to know the artificer. If there's no artificer at your table, if you do know it, that's nice. But you need to know the classes at the table and you need to understand at a high level. What do they do in the game? Yes. Mm -hmm. OK, then you need to understand how the player is playing that class, because as we said, some of these classes have some flexibility when we say fighter. Are we saying, like, are you a ranged fighter? Are you a melee fighter? Are you, like, specializing in reach weapons, close weapons? You know, those, like, fighter is a good start. But we want to further understand how the player is uh, using that class. Now, this is where I will tell you, please share your thing about communication because yeah. this becomes a two-way street. So it go ahead. It is a two-way street. Well, I now I don't remember all the details of what I was going to say, but but essentially what you need to know as a GM um, is what is the thing that they are excited about doing as this character yes. um, that they've put, you know, mechanically backed this thing so that they can have those exciting moments. You need to know what those things are. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so if we talk just straight up D&D, &D, um, probably old D&D, because &D, I don't know five, fifth edition very well, because <laughs> I kind of stopped playing D&D &D before then. But, you know, if we talk about like old style feet trees and stuff, there are so many branches and potential possibilities and directions you could go, um, especially as like a fighter. We're like, OK, are you heading into two weapon fighting in a really real way? Is that something that you're into um, or are you like focusing in on like some sort of halberd or like long range weapon like that changes stuff? So those are conversations that you actually have to have with a player. Even in a class, there are so many options, right? Like it's just a starting point. Um, and of course, if you have a build where you were had universal options, then the conversation you're having is. Um, what are the things you are excited to do? Yeah, and this is a great um, session zero discussion yeah. after character creation. Yes. Like after you've made your characters and have introduced them to actually talk about like, what is it about this? You know, like, what do you see yourself doing or what is your fighting style? What is your, um, you know, how are you approaching this character kind of thing? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So. Again, two-way street here. As a player, you need to be able to communicate those things to the table. As a GM, 
you need to ask those questions. Dig yes. in. You should have, I always have in the beginning of a campaign, by by the middle of the campaign, I don't need it anymore. But in the beginning of a campaign, I often have an index card or two that has the players' names written on it, like what their characters are. And like in a couple words, what do they do? Yeah. Like, oh, this is the demolitions what is, guy. What if, what this is the, is the driving guy. Yeah. This is the weird science person, right? Then this way... I know, because this leads to the next piece, which is, as a GM, if you are writing your own material, then you need to make scenes and challenges based on the classes in the game, right? Give them those moments to shine. Uh, and this will help if, especially in the beginning, when you are, when the characters aren't cemented in your head, having this on a piece of paper after session zero will help you figure this out. Like, oh, I have a drivey guy. I need to do a car chase. There needs to be drivey right? stuff. Like, there needs I, need to to put, I need to put some drivey stuff in here. Yeah. yeah. Or like when you ran um, Solar Legacy um, when you were in Denver and like there was a specific scene kind of built for my kiddo where he had to do engineering stuff, right? Like he was playing the engineering technology. Mm -hmm. um, species. So species. And, yep. um, and like there was, a, there was a whole game that was like... Um, it's pretty cool. We had to figure out some of the details of it, but like that whole scene was for him to be able to roll some of the stuff that he was really good at. Yes. Right? Yeah. We made up a game that was like from that because he met somebody else from his species and they were um, negotiating for something. And so he was like, oh, I am a grand champion in this game, which was like, you have to build little things. Yeah. It, like it was an area <laughs> control game by building little lasers or something that take over parts of the board. Yeah. It's actually based on a, um, there's an actual uh, board game that's like this with like lasers and mirrors. Yeah. But this was like, you have to build the tiny robot. Yes. Um, and then deploy it on the, yes. the board. Like, and so you have, it's like, it's partially a game of like strategy and partially a game of how fast and how effectively you can build a tiny bot that does the thing. Right. Yeah. And I knew that that would be fun because it was going to lean into engineering roles, yes. <laughs> which we had already done the session zero for the game. And so I knew that, you know, I knew that your son had picked the, engineering species and had also said i'm putting like i'm putting extra dice yes. into yeah. into engineering and i was like perfect we're gonna do an engineering thing yeah we're gonna like, do like cool engineering stuff yeah. and for that like that was a scene where you sat back mm -hmm. he totally got to shine yeah right like he got in there and he like really he rolled really well and like like bowled over the opposition <laughs> he totally like, mangled it yeah. yeah that other guy did it was not good it was like it was perfect right yeah. so so you want it like this is the most obvious thing like as a gm uh when you are making your own stuff you want to make these you want to make these scenes and challenges when you are using published material there is a bit of a challenge here so Games that publish their own material will do a good job if the game is, if the published material is good, they will put those moments in for you. Yeah. They'll, they'll make challenges like now here's the, here's the tricky part. The person who wrote the adventure has made some assumptions about what, who you have at the table. Yes. So... <laughs> And in, and this has been said before, I, I, I know this to be a fact in 3.5, and I assume it's pretty true in 5.0, is that when the writers write, 
there is an idealized play group that they keep in mind, which is um, fighter, mage, rogue, cleric. Yes. They assume that you have those and then they build the adventures with those things in mind. If you have like rated a whole bunch of supplements and you have like four classes that look nothing like those (laughs) and you're using published material, it can be more of a challenge. You might have to do a little prep and go through and make some edits to that published material to create some of those scenes. Yeah, just tweak it. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to depend on whether, like, again, if you're writing your own stuff, it's really easy to pack it in. And if you're using published material, you may have to make some, like, adjustments and mods. Last tip on this before we flip over to being a, um, to the co-player advice, is avoid doing things that nerf what make classes shine. Now, it is okay if you do this as a twist. Yeah. Uh, if It is okay if you do this once in a blue moon. But for instance, if you've got a mage, like don't have a whole bunch of like magic resistant or anti-magic stuff all over the place. Yeah, like, like everywhere. Yeah. It doesn't make um, them shine. It doesn't make if, them if shine. If your guy's a close fighter, like don't always make them fight people with pole arms. Yeah. Like, well, so I played a a third edition game where I was a rogue and every single thing we encountered was undead. And in three and three, five as a rogue, you can't sneak attack anything that's undead. Sneak attack skeleton. It sucked. It was not very fun. I think you could, you could, you couldn't, you could like that Mm, one went back and forth for a while. Yeah, they they fixed it in Pathfinder. Um, So when we went from three, five to Pathfinder, um, I was like, ooh, this is different. But it was actually a thing that I had to go find on the Internet because the difference, the specific difference was not actually that they said rogues can sneak attack undead. The specific difference was that they omitted the line that made it so that you couldn't. So you had to catch the omission. So there was actually like an, an, an uh, um, what's it called when they do add things after? Errata. There was an errata page that was like, you know, changing from 3.5 to Pathfinder. Like, here are the things you need to know. And there was a line on there that was like, you can sneak attack undead. Like the only things you couldn't sneak attack anymore were like swarms. Um, yeah, which makes sense because you're just like aiming for a vital thing. Like you could still chop someone's head off. Like that's still vital, whether zombie you're a zombie or not. Head. Right. Like it's still pretty bad. But it was something that I had to like chase down and change about how we were playing that game because I was not having a good time because at the time, my favorite, most exciting thing that I did in combat and the reason I played rogues all the time was because I loved doing sneak attack. Sure. And I was not able to do it in the entire campaign. And I was like. Yeah, like <laughs> right. So that's so that's a thing, right? That like that's the thing you want to avoid is yeah. you do, now you don't want to set up you, an entire situation in which the players never get to use the cool things that their classes do. Exactly. Yeah. And and so you know, there's a couple pieces of this. Like for instance, if you know going back in time, if you know that you're going to do a published campaign that's all undead stuff. Yeah. Right. Then what you either need to do is decide like, you know, hey, we're playing this campaign material and obviously we want to have a rogue and you're not going to be able to sneak attack. I'm just going to house rule it and then like we're going to be fine with it. We're going to allow sneak attacking or you're going to want to prep the players and say, listen, you know, this uh, published material is heavy on undead and there's not going to be a lot of sneak attacking. And so 
you might as a player be like, maybe hmm, this isn't the class I would have chosen for this maybe adventure. Maybe I want fighter with a rapier. Yeah, maybe this is not like, what I would have chosen for this adventure had I known that going in, right? Like exactly. I might have might have gone like ranger or something, right? Like there there are many yeah. other options. Um, but it's so it is it's worthwhile to note. Um, if you are going to a group of people and saying, I want to play this published adventure, which is exactly what the situation was. I want to play this published adventure. And they say, awesome, cool. You may want to say there are some specific classes that are going to struggle in this published material because of X, Y, Z. Right. Anyway, that's a little bit off track, but that's like, that is the, the, no, the scenario okay. in which you it's could okay. we just, prevent people from shining. It's right? good. It's good to kind of put all that together. Okay. So look, yeah. the thing is with a GM, the job's actually pretty simple. You're in control of the story. Make spaces in the story yeah, for make them. make places for Let, people to do cool Let's things. flip to what I think is actually the more interesting part of yeah. the episode, which is <laughs> co-player, right? Right. So we're not even, like, we're not even talking about the player, right? The player who's playing the class, like, they're just going to play the class. But what does every other player do yeah. to help each other shine? Because remember, if, 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 Every player is helping you shine and you're helping every everybody else shine. Everybody's shining and shiny. Right? <laughs> it's very, very shiny. Um, um, so so I th- and I think the the key thing going into having this part of the discussion is that I think for you and I both, we consider role playing games to be a very collaborative experience. Um from at least a player perspective, even if the characters are in any sort of PvP, right? Like, so that's that's the thing I think we have to just explicitly state about how we both approach this, um, because that is, for me, that's specifically one of the things that I love and enjoy about um, role-playing games is that collaborative element. And if I didn't have that on a player level, um, I probably wouldn't necessarily enjoy that particular game and have definitely left games because I didn't feel like I I had that. Um, so, um, which is not to say that's the thing for everybody, but like that is, that is our baseline assumption about where we're approaching this from is that because you want to help other people shine, that this is the style of game that you are trying to play. Um, cool. So as another player at the table, I should also know what the other classes do, right? Or what the other builds at the table do um, so that I understand the the sort of purpose or goal or, you know, the exciting thing that each of these other folks at the table um, will really excel at. Um, and I should also know, you know, what is the thing that excites each of the people I'm playing with about playing this character? I should have some idea of what that thing is so that I also understand, like, I, basically, you need to know if you're, like, stepping on toes, right? Yeah. Which yes. is, so getting into the next part, which is really, you have to know this stuff so that you can do the next steps. Because the next yep. step is to respect other people's niches. 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 I always have trouble with this word when we do this show. You have to respect other people's niches um, because... If you are jumping in and doing everything for them, you are not giving them the opportunity to shine and you're probably not giving them the opportunity to have a lot of fun because you are actually removing um, their agency in those moments of being able to do that cool thing, right? So in play, if you have a rogue at the table, um, most of the time, it is cooler to let the rogue pick the lock than to have the mage cast knock, 
Mm -hmm. right? Like that's a place where like there can be mushy niche stuff happening. Um, When you are considering advancements um, for your particular class, maybe don't multi-class into a class that is already at the table, right? Well, at least without talking about it. Or yeah, right? certainly like, without talking about it. If you talk to the other player and you're like, I'm thinking about doing this and they're like, yeah, that would be really cool to have around and I can see how this interaction works or whatever, then like, awesome, go for it. But like, if you just are like on your own and you are um, the mage and you decide that you're also now going to be a rogue and there's already a rogue in your party, um, that might not go super well. Yeah, I mean, the the person playing the rogue is going to be like, well, Excuse now what me? do you need me for? Yeah, what do you, literally, what do you need me for? Like, you just, you don't even have to put points into pick lock. You could just, like, cast knock and then, like, put your points into other things. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, you're, like, now technically, right. Yeah, like, need the super house. Um, so, um, or, uh, you know, if you start taking abilities that make another character obsolete for whatever reason. Yeah, and the and the rule of thumb here is just like talk about it. Just talk, talk about, about it, it with the other players. It. Like ask the other player, like, hey, like ask the cleric, like, hey, if I took some healing magic, like, do you feel like that's going, you know, like to cut in on your fun or like the thing that you like in the game? And it might be the cleric is like, hell no, we could use all the healing magic we could get. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I'm overrun over here. Exactly. We need help. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it could also be like the cleric could be like, well, like healing is like what I really get joy out of in this game. Like I love running through combat and, you know, making sure everybody's like, you know, stay standing, remove conditions or whatever. And yeah, I feel like if you were doing that, like, like then, you know, I don't know. I'm, my like, character's not as you know, special or I'm not having as much fun. Yeah. So it, it, and again, it's just this conversation, right? Look, you guys all know this, right? <laughs> like 90% of problems in games yeah, just talk solved about by it. conversation. Yes. So, right. Your niche protection thing is respect the niche but also you can talk about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ha, uh, understand your lane and then stay in your lane without talking about it. So the next thing on the list is to, um, as another character, you can clear a path or you can set one of your um, your co-players up in play, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is like distracting the enemy so that the rogue gets their sneak attack. Right. 100%. Go do the thing so that they can use their special thing. <laughs> Set them yeah, up. Yeah, like for instance, for instance, and like when I used to play um, folks on a board. Yes. Folks on a map style games, especially when we had roguelike characters. Yes. When you finished off your opponent. Yeah, you go to A lot of times I would look for where the rogue was and be like, oh, can I move to an opponent near the rogue? Because, of course, using the old 3-5 rules, as long as you can draw a straight draw line. Draw a straight line, the, yep. <laughs> draw a straight line through the character, you can sneak attack. So yep. <laughs> I would purposely, like my barbarian would, you know, jump to the next, um, to the next character to uh, start beating up on, but also opening up that potential for like, hey, I'm taking on a, an opponent near you so that you can move in for your sneak attack. Yes. Right. And that was really good. <laughs> and as a rogue, I appreciate you for for being aware of that and like just taking that action, even though we have. Do you realize we have never played D&D &D together? It's not surprising. We barely <laughs> ever play D&D. Right. But like, it's just funny because we both have so many D&D &D stories. But anyway, um, awesome. Yes, we've played we've we've played we much D&D &D separately D &D. in the past. <laughs> but by the time we met each other, yeah, neither one of us was really playing D &D. that much D&D. &D. Yeah. 
Anyway, yep. fantastic. So the the last point on here is to create scenes where others' abilities will enhance the scene, um, which is similar to the last one that we were talking about, right? But like, um, this is this is creating again situations in which other you know other players at the tables um, classes will shine and giving them that opportunity not just in combat not necessarily in combat but even like social situations um, incorporating the cool background elements that they had like all of that kind of stuff or just their skill list whatever it is right Mm -hmm. yeah sorry did you want to do your example (laughs) i did i'm sorry i thought you for a second thought i um, froze or something no i was look i'm sorry yeah, so let me set up let me set up a let me set up a quick scene for you here where you know you can do this. So like we're not in combat. We're back in we're back in the um we're back in town and um the fighter is gonna fast talk somebody, right? Like, yeah, oh I got yeah, this right. everybody. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm gonna fast talk them. Like knowing that there's no like unless unless I roll a 20, this isn't going to happen. But really, we're going for comedic value here. Like, I'm going to try fast talking and the rogue is like, no, no, I'll come. I better come with you and keep an eye on you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the rogue follows or not the rogue bard. I mean, we'll the bard, rogue right? could do it, too. Rogue too, <laughs> if you've got that kind of rogue, but bard. Right. And the bard's like, hang on, let me come with you. This is going to go terribly kind of thing. And of course, the fighter totally fumbles, put a, puts a foot in their mouth. It's all going downhill, which is really just creating a scene where uh, the fighter is bumbling, and now the rogue, the rogue bard, whomever, swoops in, is charming, and like wins over uh, whoever it is, right? And it's just like a fun way as a player to just create a thing where the other player gets to come in and be cool. Yeah. And the reverse of this is like the bard gets super mouthy with somebody and they're about to get into a fight and the fighter steps in. Right, instead, right? And does yeah. a little intimidation check and the other person backs down. Yeah. Exactly. That kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, which is great. So, and really what all of this, all of the co-player recommendations kind of sum up into is if you are familiar with the five rules of improv or use any improv stuff in your games, what we are actually talking about is the concept of you look good if you make your partner look good, um, right? Which Mm -hmm. is something that you hear in improv a lot is make your partner look good. Um, And basically what that comes down to is be selfless about making the other people at your table look good um, so that they can be selfless in making you look good, right? And that's the idea. And I'm just going to say this again because it's super exciting. So the the second edition of Improv for Gaming, I think it's maybe out now. Like I've got my digital copies and everything. And if you are interested in specifically pursuing and practicing um, some of these things, because as we have stated before, improv is a skill that you can practice and get better at. So if you want to do things like practice making your partner look good, for example, um, which is something that is sometimes hard if you haven't practiced it because our instinct is to step in and and do you know self things like i want to i want to do a thing instead of um setting someone up to do a thing right Mm -hmm. um so there's an initial learning experience of learning to trust other people to do that setup for you so that um once that trust is created you can do that setup for them right and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like you're, you know, going to put yourself in a vulnerable situation or it's going to go badly or something. Right. Um, so that's the other thing I will just throw out there. Improv for Gamers is great. Karen 12 is a genius. And 
you should probably buy the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it's not going to hurt you. It's sure not going to hurt you. And there's some fun, cool improv games in there. And I know that in the second edition, she added some specific notes. A, there's more games. B, there are specific notes about doing things online, which is really cool just in the day and age that we live in. Um, but we, we just have to be able to accommodate doing things digitally, right? Yeah. The first edition didn't have that, which was fine because that was not a thing that the general populace was really thinking about at the time. I certainly wasn't all the time. <laughs> um, no. No, I mean, that's the thing, like, that's a skill grew into kind of thing. Right, exactly. Um, cool. Cool stuff. All right, so look, bottom line to this is, right, summing this whole thing up about making classes shine is understanding what the class is and how the player is using it and then creating those opportunities, whether you are the GM doing it in the way you structure in the game, setting scenes, or whether you are a player in terms of how you are interacting with those scenes and making spaces for those players to do the things that their class excels at. Yes. Yeah, yep. that's a wrap up. Be good to each other. Be, be excellent to one another. Be fans of your players. <laughs> be fans of everyone else at the table. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, cool. That's a lot of it, right? Okay, so cool. That's our, you know, that's our advice. Uh, I I mean, I don't, I mean, I think it's solid advice. And I think it's a thing to think about because people are playing classes for a reason. Yeah, I do think so, a lot of times we take for granted some of the stuff that we've talked about here. Um, so I think even if this is the kind of thing that you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like there is value in explicitly stating it and then mm -hmm. explicitly thinking about it as you create or sit at the table. Um, because if you are mindful of it, then you can do it even better. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Excellent. Cool. Um, hey, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. In fact, we're not picking a random no. one. We're picking a very specific one. I don't know why you so, think I do random ones. I do them in order every time. No, I know. But we're doing <laughs> actually the one we did last week on purpose. Right, right. We are doing this again on purpose because it is the newest show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Um, you can now catch Thacko with Advantage, which is two friends, Ange and Jared, if you have caught um, the gnome cast at all, you may be familiar with their voices. Um, they love talking to each other and talking about D and D. Um, they'll share insights into the game. They're running games. They're running with the campaign journal, tackle subjects that affect the game in the DMs workshop. Um, they will share things related to D and D in the D in the downtime research that will make your game better, um, make you smile or both. And you may even pick up ancient factoids about previous editions of D and D that you will never use. It's mm -hmm. great. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes. Oh, excellent. Say, Sunda, how do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is how this topic came to us today, um, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. Um, I have to apologize because I think I have a really good topic sitting in there that I read, and I'm not sure that I ever responded to say thank you to the person who sent it. So my apologies. Um, but it was a good topic, and we will get to it. Wow. I... I went off script there very far. Where was I? Um, you may also be able to find us on TikTok. If you really want to hunt us down, you can. Um, and uh, Phil, once they find us in any of those places, what can they do with that information? Don't think for a minute that we have this thing saved as a blurb <laughs> that we just drop in at the end of an episode. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is bespoke. Bespoke every, every time. time. <laughs> All right. Take those 
take those ideas, those topics, those questions, the things that are bugging you about GMing, the things that you're just like, I love GMing, but blah, this is least my least favorite part of GMing. Toss them out to us. We want to help you. Sometimes we're going to have advice to make it better or go away. Sometimes we're going to have advice for just how to make the best out of it. Our goal here is always the same. The more fun you are having GMing, the more you will GM, the more games you're going to run, the more games people are going to get to play and games you're going to get to experience. And the longer you will persist in this hobby. And as two people who have racked up some mileage in this hobby, <laughs> yes, we know the value of staying like it is a for me, it is a nearly lifelong hobby that I will probably play for the rest of my known life. Right? I can't imagine anything that would stop me. Exactly. And so at this point. <laughs> it, can, it can be that for you as well, right? It can be that for you as well, because we're going to be here for as long as we think about it. <laughs> we're going to be here solving problems and helping you out and giving you tips and stuff. That's what we want to do. So send us those, send us those ideas, questions, etc. If you like what we do here or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider supporting our Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to our Slack room for life, full of amazing people, awesome topics that span everything from complaining to work to some fine looking recipes. I do say so myself. And Star Trek. Give myself a little. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, there's some little... good recipes in that in that channel. I've been working recently. hard. You've been working hard. I've been working hard. I've been working hard. Like, yeah, yeah. There's some, some... There's some stuff. Anyway, <laughs> Slack Room. Slack Room good. Slack Room good. Live uh, Zoom chats on Fridays where you can hang out with us. We have a topic. Uh, you know, it's loosely moderated. It is moderated. But like we talk about, you know, the topic. We talk about tangential stuff, that kind of thing. It's good. It's good. It's good. Fun stuff. Anyway, um, join us for that. Uh, get the Bamboo Lounge from this show, which is like when the show ends, we just keep talking for like another 15, yeah, gonna, 20 minutes I, about boy, whatever. I have a thing. I have a thing for today. Sure, you do. do. Of course you do. do. <laughs> and um, and then the after show from the Misdirected Mark, which is um, the less pretty version of the Bamboo Lounge. <laughs> Why is it less it just pretty? Is. Um, because look who, uh, look who's there. Like I, <laughs> like, so first of all, I factor out of both equations, right? Cause I'm in both, so you just I'm in both of those. Sure. I cancel out. Right. So just <laughs> take me out. Now it's you versus Chris, Bob and Jerry. Yeah. And I may be biased, but Good. I was just fishing for that compliment. You can keep yeah, going now. <laughs> take that compliment. You take it. Like, I'm just saying prettier. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you get all that stuff. Plus anything that we whip up. Um, and I, you know, I just, I don't want to tease anything, but we encoded folks are starting to mess with some stuff and we will probably send out. Um, we're probably going to share it first with our patrons before we put it up on drive through just to kind of uh, let you see some stuff. Cause we're just starting to kind of come out of our uh, COVID cocoons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have a little idea for a um, product line project that I think is really neat. Mm -hmm. um, that I think will, I think it'll be cool. And I don't want to tease any more about it. I want to, I want it to manifest before I talk more about it. Okay. Sure. Yes. Anyway. Um, if you are supporting our Patreon campaign, thank you very much. If you're unable to support our Patreon campaign, totally understand. There's still a thing you can do uh, that helps us out. What's that thing? You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show. But if you prefer 
you can also just literally tell someone about us. Like, you know, tell a friend, tell Twitter, respond to one of those what other podcasts should I be listening posts. If you feel so inclined, we love to see it. it makes us feel warm and happy inside. It definitely definitely directs more people to the show so we really appreciate it however you do it thank you so mm-hmm. much yes 100 cool <sighs> say senda what should i be doing to help your carnation shine i want to use my motorcycle now i really want a motorcycle This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloop jam. I mean, clicky. clicky. <laughs> I, I clicked. Like, did you, you click still? I, I still well, clicked I too. Clicked. I did. I did three, two, one, and then I clicked. Did you click? I did too. Okay, cool. I did because you messed with the. I'm sorry. <laughs> you messed with the verbiage. It's a bad. It's a bad like, thing. Why did I do that? I was having. Yeah, why a, would you mess with the I verbiage? I suddenly was having a cowboy bebop moment again, and it's been like a while. I mean, I don't have a problem with cowboy bebop, obviously, I know. but I know. you know, you, you just have to know the, when to click. <laughs> you messed with the clicky. Bloop. Yeah, I'm gonna mark down times. Um, yeah. So okay. that's hopefully pretty straightforward. Um, cool, because we mismanaged the clock today, we did didn't we? The miss- top of it. Miss, what? oh, I'm still in bed. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. TikTok told me I was actually a little miss addicted to TikTok. So, um, <laughs> to be fair, to be you fair. are also two hours ahead of me. Two hours in the future. I am. Yes. So, like, did I get up early? No. no. But my alarm went off at nine. So that's not like, it's not what like I got up at like bed? 11. Well, I was busy protecting my fourth place word scramble. What time <laughs> did you get out of know, like, bed? Like 10 to 20, 10 30. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Got you. All right. <laughs> On with the show. This is it. Okay. I just so that we are all on the same page. I know we've said this before. I'm going to say this again. I have no idea what he's going to say before he says it. I had no idea what I was going to say before I said it. I just made that up. I don't think these things through. We just pull the trigger and go. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been doing this long enough. We don't write this stuff out. Like I just. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Check. We'll find some motorcycle things to do. Yes. By the motorcycles way, just we close and swords. <laughs> carnation is the name of the agents. Oh, yeah, yeah, The yeah. order of the in Carnation are the, the agents yeah, in our yeah, yeah. Long Live the Queen game. Yeah. Okay. Ryan, uh, you can music. fade way out over all of this nonsense. You do not. Just you should probably fade out like as I'm editing answering magic it. Goes yeah, here. Don't, don't <laughs> include. This is outtakes. Bloop. <laughs> 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 Oh man. Sorry, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got.